Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Good morning and welcome to the Pirates Podcast. We name later here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. My name is Alex Stump. Last week, I, I went into the Hayes contract extension and did a mound visit on it. It was the Friday Insider lead. We got a lot of Hayes contract talk done. The Brian Reynolds deal doesn't deserve as, as much talk because it's not the largest contract in franchise history. It doesn't add to the Pirates window of how long they have team control over him. But it, it it's really important and necessary to talk about it in this forum because it was on this forum about a month ago. I really laid out, you know, how a player centric culture costs money. It's not free, and going to arbitration with Brian Reynolds over six hundred fifty thousand dollars is not how you do it. You don't do that to your all-star. And to the Pirates' credit, it took probably a little too long for this all to come together, but it got done. It got done. There is no hearing involved. It's a two-year deal, which is the workaround that all general managers say, and Ben Charrington also said on Thursday that you know we're not going to sign... One-year deals after that file and trial deadline, you know, doubling down on that. Uh, still kind of a ridiculous role. Not even a role, just something that teams do, in my opinion. I, I respect that things can't be always black and white. At some point, you got to just say, okay, we're done negotiating. But they had the workaround with the multi-year deal. And you know what? This is very much a any port in the storm type of situation. They avoided the arbitration case with Brian Reynolds. That is incredibly important for this organization going forward for every reason that I laid out a month ago. That you don't do this to your all-star. If I'm a player in the clubhouse and I see them doing that to Brian Reynolds, well, wait a minute, what are they going to do to me? Now it's the exact opposite of if I'm a player in that clubhouse, I see they just took care of Brian Reynolds. I feel better. And Charrington said 
this, the Hayes deal, they weren't done to be to send a message about you know what the organization wants to do or that either one has to be a leader on the club. It was just about you know maintaining those good relationships with two of their best, most important players for the future, and that's fine. That's what the whole point boiled down to. This was a good thing. This was a very good thing that the Pirates had to do. And it took a little longer than expected. It took a wackier road than people expected. But hey, it's done. And maybe we can shift focus to a little further down the road for a real extension for Brian Reynolds that actually keeps him in Pittsburgh longer term. The Hayes money is not going to be that much in a couple years. The farm system is going to be producing all of these young players that aren't going to cost a lot of money. There is definitely money to get a long-term Brian Reynolds deal done. Now, that's not going to happen anytime soon. Don't mistake that for any of this. Like, this is done, everyone breathes a sigh of relief that they don't have to go to the arbitration hearing that neither side wanted to go to at all. It's just done. Be happy with that. Focus on baseball before, you know, whenever it's either this offseason or maybe it's next spring training, maybe it's the following offseason or whenever they're trying to avoid arbitration in 2024. Long list down the road. Whenever, plenty of opportunities to get something long-term done. And they talked about it a little bit, and they explored different opportunities. The two-year deal was just, you know, what they landed on. That's what they wanted to do at this moment. Avoiding arbitration was the most important thing. And they have. What's next for this organization is to continue to keep that in the back of the mind that you need to be able to spend to have that player-centric culture it doesn't have to be huge money but it's taking care of players who have earned it it's extending key players who could be part of that team for years to come so whenever an O'Neill Cruz does eventually come up maybe next year you Start to explore something to keep him in Pittsburgh longer term. Maybe if David Bednar pitches like he did in 2021 again, you go and think, well, four years of team control remaining, but maybe a four or five year deal with an option or two, maybe front loaded a little bit to, you know, make that risk less, you know, team unfriendly potentially towards the back end, allocate dollars elsewhere. Maybe you start looking at different opportunities like that. But it does become a little easier whenever you don't have to take Brian Reynolds to arbitration. I I bring this up here because that was... I got hot in, in that one segment a, a, a couple weeks ago, almost a month ago at this point. And O'Neill Cruz is not in the major league still here. That was the other half of it. We're not going to touch that <laughs> beyond that. Just this was the one that mattered the most to the major league clubhouse. For that player-centric culture. 
it helps. And it goes, that has to extend beyond player development, beyond coaching, two things that I think they have done well organizationally. At the major league level, though, that's always going to be the most expensive and the most difficult to have that sort of culture. It's a good step. They were two really good steps taken there by taking care of Hayes and taking care of Reynolds. Like I said, it doesn't have to break the bank for that type of culture, but it isn't free. And they showed that they can do it. They did the right thing for their best players. We're going to take a break. Whenever we come back, Jared's back on the show, and we're going to we're going to kind of shadow reboot something that I, I want to bring back. Well, how about this? This is a shadow reboot, or how are we, how are we going to describe this, Jared? of Young Bucks being brought back for the 2022 season. I think it's just we're brought back from a hiatus. Yeah. I mean, we're going to do something here. Like, I would like I, – I think this is going to end up being its own show again. Maybe it's just a recurring segment. We're, we're still planning some things out on what we want to do for the podcast for the year. But this – I just have to talk some minor league baseball, and there's no one else I'd rather do it with you, man. Well, I'm honored and privileged, Alex. That, I, that means a lot to me. So we're going to just keep this very basic this time around here. The minor league season is underway. Jared, we're both going to rattle off three people that have really stood out to us. This first two-ish weeks, right? Mm-hmm. All right. I, I'll, I'll start off with a guy from Altoona, actually, I'm going to steal from your hometown here. <sighs> Mike Burroughs. Damn. That was your guy? <laughs> One of them, yes. Come on. He just, he's thrown eight innings, um, 10 Ks. He's, he's on fire. He's picking up right where he left off in Greensboro. Yeah, I mean, he's really just we, – we saw a little bit with Greensboro, especially – towards the back end of the season and then in the Arizona Fall League that once he has stuff going it can be as filthy as anyone in this organization his curveball Friday yeah. night was out of this world yeah I mean we're huge spin huge downward movement better command of the fastball and changeup, being able to throw it around him saying that he started to throw changeups uh, right on right last year I think was kind of a telling moment that he could actually be a three pitch pitcher. And that's kind of what it's always been with him. Like, can he be a three pitch pitcher and stay in the rotation? I think he's shown really good signs in that early on this year. He's as filthy as anyone in on that staff. And we've been talking about for over a year now that that staff is probably the cream of the pirates pitching core, you know, going forward. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think that's, you know, if he can continue, I know it's still early. So, you know, I think we have to take some pitching stats with a grain of salt because offensively teams aren't always doing a great or aren't always hitting very well right now. Right. It's still cold out for the most part up here in the North. 
But again, you know, there's a lot to like with Burroughs and, and everybody, you know, so far. And I think Altoona is clearly a fun team to watch. I think they're pretty electric. You know, they've got guys like Leavera Peguero, who homered. He's hitting 300 from the leadoff spot. Um, I think he's one, he's one of my guys to, to watch out for early. And then I'm a big fan of Connor Scott. Um, Connor Scott's having a good, solid week defensively. Uh, outfield assist, tossed out a guy at the plate, um, hitting the ball rather well. Those are guys that you really – I mean, Piguero is Piguero, man. Defensively, I think he's the shortstop of the future. Um, as much as I love O'Neill Cruz, I think O'Neill Cruz is going to benefit the Pirates somewhere other than shortstop because Figueroa, I think, is better defensively than, than O'Neill Cruz. But having that type of success and adjusting to double-A that way early on, I think is huge for the, uh, for the Pirates minor league system and for the curve, especially moving forward. Yeah. I, I will actually double down on a uh, Connor Scott who Wait, can we stop this, Alex? We're agreeing. What is this? You know, I'll, I'll come up with a couple other guys, but I, I be, I did have Connor Scott listed here as someone who I, I wanted to talk about because he was someone who stood out a little bit to me in the minor league camp as someone who's got some, you know, good role tools. I mean, he was, he was a first round draft pick, not that long ago, kind of stumbled in his first four years of pro ball, got some time away, had a pretty good season with the Marlins. And you don't really know, well, is he just older than everyone at his level, but double a ball has suited him well so far. And I don't know what his ceiling is. I, I don't think it's particularly, you know, super high, but, he looks like someone who's on a major league trajectory right now. When you consider that Jacob Stallings trade, whenever it happened, the word I got was like, yeah, maybe he's a fourth outfielder. And yeah, maybe that is still the fairest way to go, but he looks a lot better as a prospect now that the pirates have gotten their hands on him. And he's been able to continue to build on what was working last year. Right. You know, I mean, he's adjusted to a new, a new organization rather well. Um, he's playing well in double A and, and we talk about this at length, double A is really where the baseball players come to come to fruition. That's where they're, the cream rises to the top in double A. I've always been, um, a proponent of that because these, these pitchers now aren't just throwers. They're pitchers. Now they're, they're pitching with intent each and every time they're out there, they're trying to break off one, two, Oh, two, you know, fastball, curveball, slider, change up, whatever they're trying to throw. They're trying. They they're pitching with intent, with a plan, and trying to execute that game plan. Just like hitters are trying to get off their ace swings, it, it's just one of those situations where now these guys, they're playing against the cream of the crop. They're playing against guys that are probably going to play in the majors at some point, um, or have already played in the majors at some point. In in some cases, in some instances, but you know, guys like Connor Scott and Pagaro and and Burroughs, man, they're they're excelling early, and I think that's huge moving forward for the organization. So we, we agreed on the first two here. Not, not saying that we were all, maybe that's not fair that we were just agreeing on everyone else. So I'm going to throw out someone who I, I was higher on last year and then just kind of had an underwhelming year. But man, if Alexander Mojica can put it together in Bradenton, mm-hmm. he is got the frame he's got the power he could be something big at first base 
And he's off to a hot start right now, which is what you kind of want to see if you have to repeat a level. Yeah. Obviously, the goal is for him to get to Greensboro at some point this year. And, yeah, that could happen. This is a bit of a detour. But, hey, at least he looks a lot more comfortable like he belongs right now. Right. And, I mean, so often do we forget about these kids' ages and everything and, and, and what they have to go through to get to where they're at, right? But I think, you know, he's a guy that – if he can perform, man, I think Mohika has a really good shot um, to continue that development and, and to really build on what he's what he's been doing. I mean, you know, I, I, another guy that I'm a big fan of, you know, I'm looking at some of the statistics here. Connor Scott's hitting 29 right now with a 1.384 OPS, which obviously – it's still very, very early in the season. There's only been, they've only played seven games. You know, he was two for four Friday night. You know, you look at a guy like Blake Sib, um, Blake Sibol. I think that's the guy that you really have to pay attention to as well. He's uh, had a two for five night against Richmond Friday night, um, hitting 429 OPS and an 884. That's that's pretty good. All right, and I guess just to wrap it up, is there anyone here who's really just? I hate to say the word disappointed because. <laughs> we're talking about two weeks but anything here that's like oh man that's that's not exactly what i thought we were gonna see it's so tough because these teams are seven eight maybe nine games at the most into the season yeah so it's tough to get a gauge again for, for of course Indy and for i mean indy was dealing with snow in st paul um this season or early or this week and altoona's obviously richmond and they were in altoona and it was pretty cold um, when they opened against Harrisburg. So it, it's very hard after seven games to get a, get a gauge, especially with the, before the weather turns. And, and it's pitching, again, it should be dominant. Um, I think, you know, uh, it's one of those deals. The hitting, the hitting will come around, right? The hitting is the going to be there, I think, um, eventually. But it's so tough to, to really – say, hey, well, you know, why were we so bad? Or why is this guy doing, you know, not so great? And, again, it's way too early to be disappointed. But at the same time, you know, there's there's always going to be um, room for improvement. And, again, it's early. There's still a long season ahead of them. But it will be interesting to see how, how certain things – um, certain things play out. All right. Well, since you avoided it, I'll give one. And then I will give the qualifier that, yes, we're talking about an extremely small sample size, but considering the work that he put in this off season and him talking about the discussions he was having nine strikeouts, one walk for a week and a half of Mason Martin isn't exactly where you want to see him at. Like, yeah, he's hitting the ball right now. But the hits eventually are going to have to are going to stop falling as consistently. He's going to have to find ways to get on base other ways. That means walking. That means out. That means striking out less. And basically, he's at the the twenty twenty one levels right now, which just aren't that achievable for the major leagues. Yeah, and that's I mean that it's got to change. It's got to get better. Um, yeah. Because there is an opportunity. But I'm going to go, right. Oh, my God, yeah. Absolutely, there's an opportunity. And it's there. 
it's there for the taking. You just got to seize it with, with those performances and, and, and that stuff. And, and you want to see a guy like him do that. I think he's got the potential, but it's, you got to figure that out. And if he doesn't, that's, you know, that's not always the greatest, but you mentioned a hitter. I'm going to go with a pitcher that I think has been disappointing so far. I understand again, he's only appeared in two games, bear Bellamy for the, for the alternate curve. Um, he's can't avoid the long ball. He's given up five home runs in two games. Um, and that's not a deal. He's given a, he struck out um, just as many. So, I mean, obviously you're hoping that that, that gets turned around. Um, but that, as far as, you know, looking at some of the pitchers that are struggling, again, it's early. The ball's – it's a little different in this cold and this wind and everything, you know. But that's cause for concern early if you can't stay away from the long ball. Yeah, and you're, you're going to know – you know, bear better because you've actually been able to watch him in person, but knowing back in minor leagues, spring training, like a big thing with him was the slider. And that's something that does occasionally not play as well in, in a colder environment, mm-hmm. grip and everything. We could, we could go into stuff like that. If he doesn't have that breaking ball and it doesn't really look like he does early on, he it's an uphill climb. And there's, yeah. I mean, he went to the fall league last year. They, they obviously like him enough to put him in that pantheon of, you know, prospects, but yeah, not a great start either. And yes, of course, small sample sizes, but we can't talk about a couple guys that have stood out without getting negative at the end as well. Jared, we're going to do more of this, man. All right. I'm all for it. To be determined how we're going to do it, but we are going to do it. To be named later, to be determined. There's so (laughs) much speculation. But it was good to be back. Good. But with that, the podcast to be named later is going to conclude here in a minute. A couple more commercials. Back to the Pirates podcast to be named later here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. One last thought before we close out the week. I'm not going to pretend that this is the way that anyone really hoped that Mitch Keller would start the season. With that said, I still think he's close. I still think he's really darn close. And. Any given start could be the start where he does break out a bit. Maybe not like full-blown breakout, never-look-back type of deal, but there's a lot of good stuff. The Nationals didn't square him up. Everything that hurt him outside of one fly ball, <laughs> one or two fly balls, was on the ground. Like we, There were a couple walks, and that was... Something that's going to need to be addressed. Pitch counts got up. But if you just want to see pure stuff, he was ramping it up to 99. Breaking stuff wasn't there against the Nationals, but it has been there in the past. It's He's close. I don't know what to say. I understand the frustrations and people who hear them. But we're tired of hearing this, but I don't know. 
I look at 22 Mitch Keller compared to 2021 Mitch Keller, and it's still night and day. He looks a lot better out there. 2021 Mitch Keller had a couple good starts sprinkled in, but just never really left. Like, is this is this the guy? He does look much more like a major leaguer. He looks much more confident on the mound. There's a lot of good traits to see. It needs to come together because there are plenty of pitchers who have good traits and it doesn't all come together. Come together. He's like at 95%. You got to get to 100%. That last 5% is what separates the fringe guys to really good pitchers. He's going to need to do that. He's got the stuff. It's close. It's close. I don't blame anyone who's annoyed by hearing that, but that's that's just watching him. It, it's night and day still from last year. It's not just because of the ERA through seven and two-thirds innings. It's it. He does look a lot different. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe wherever you find fine podcasts. All of the shows we have here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network will be there. This is Alex Stumpf. For Jared Prugar as well, thank you so much for listening. We'll talk again next week. Thank you.